On this episode of the Average Climber Podcast, Caitlin and I kiss. Lauren, this is not in my notes from dress rehearsal. <laughs> Wait, we're keeping it simple, stupid. What did, what did you think I meant? Oh, well, in that case. Yeah, so today we are keeping things really simple. We're going to give you 10 different tips that you can use to simplify your climbing training and your nutrition. It's going to be really awesome. You're going to learn a lot. There's going to be a lot of actionable stuff in here that you'll be able to use today. So get excited, get ready to simplify some things, and welcome to the Average Climber Podcast. Okay, so I don't know if all of you know this, but Lauren is my climbing coach and she created the beast that I am today or I don't know I wouldn't even call myself a beast. I would <laughs> I would disagree strongly Caitlin rips <laughs> well thanks Lauren you created the monster uh but one of the things that I think about sometimes is kind of the difference between coaching styles and the approach that you have versus other coaches and I'm interested to know what you think sets you apart from other trainers? Well, I think that I am the only climbing coach that will yell at you about ghosts and aliens <laughs> and still expect you to respect my opinion, which brings me to a very important discussion, Caitlin, that we need to have because this has been keeping me up at night. So I don't know if you know this, but in most states, you have to disclose whether or not someone has died in your home. And <laughs> I mean, I think that's an important thing to say, but it's also like, why would the government want you to do that if ghosts weren't real? That is a an incredibly good point. And they know they're real. <laughs> they're like keep this on the DL but low-key ghosts are you have to disclose it so then we can know where to funnel some uh anti-paranormal yeah. I think insurance companies should be made aware as well because like poltergeist <laughs> activity can fuck up your cabinets and I just think it's important and I'm I hope everyone knows this and if you're out there selling your house if someone asks if someone has died in your home you have to tell them the truth legally <laughs> because Carrie will come back and eat your brain Yeah and unsod your lawn so <laughs> that's important for everyone to know <laughs> Wow this is you know what but this is actually a really good segue because it's helpful to know really important things in life that also can simplify like you know how to avoid uh, the poltergeist or you know your head spinning around or getting sucked into a tv screen so maybe we should dive into our five top five ways to simplify your training and climbing i can't believe i just made caitlin try to segue <laughs> ghosts homeownership into what the episode's actually about i'm so sorry i did that to you and i'll never stop doing it this will happen Please every don't. episode get ready to deal with it saddle up okay no but we should talk about it so all right 
If you're, if you're still here with us, thank you. That means maybe you'll like this podcast and you won't be like, what are they even doing? They're just yelling about ghosts. <laughs> but today we're going to talk, talk about five ways to simplify your training and nutrition. So Caitlin and I kind of went away to our separate labs, our holes, if you will, and we figured out what are <laughs> top five ways that we like to simplify things for our athletes and clients. So Caitlin, why don't you, why don't you take it away with your, uh, your first one? Okay, so step one, or I should just say (laughs) the thing that I recommend the most often to all of my clients is to actually plan your meals. And I know this doesn't sound all that revolutionary, but if you even just plan one meal a week, two meals a week, three meals a week, hopefully you pick up what I'm putting down, but just the act of planning out what you're going to eat and then you go to the grocery store and that's what you buy for planning will simplify your life so much and give you, you know, just like the basis for eating more, reducing stress, also saving money and also reducing food waste. So that's that's a big one on the list. Yeah, that's huge. I can't tell you how many times, like I'm sure you and your husband have had, uh, I don't want to call them fights, but <laughs> they're disagreements when you're both hungry and you can't decide what to make for dinner. And then you Google like, I literally Google easy dinner meals three times a week. And then also I have to add gluten-free in and I'm like, this is a nightmare. Why didn't I think about this before I was starving? And if I, I, yeah, I think it's a great tip. You're so right. It's like the basic thing that we all could do. And I like that you started with plan one tip. Let me ask you this. Like, what does planning look like for you? What's If someone's like, I don't plan shit. I wait till I'm hungry and then I get Chipotle sometimes. And then like, I plan to eat. <laughs> and then I plan to eat it and then I do the same thing every day. So what's like a good way for someone to like, if, if you don't plan already, what's a good way to kind of like start doing that? And what does that process look like? Yeah, to dip your toes in, I would say pick one night a week that you know, you you know, if you want to eat at home and it's important to you to, to cook a meal at your house, not go out to Chipotle for the fourth time this week or, you know, whatever your, your ideal. Not that there's is. anything wrong with Chipotle. I want to clarify oh, no, big that. Fan. Chipotle is great. It's got carbs, protein, and fat. I know that's good because Caitlin <laughs> told veggies. me. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, Chipotle is great, but <laughs> it's excellent. But if you, if it is important for you to cook at home, the best thing I'd say is figure out one night a week that you and whoever else you live with, you know, maybe this is what you do on Friday night with each other after the long work week, you figure out, okay, what's something we could make together or something that we generally like to eat. Maybe it's something you've made before. Maybe it's a new recipe. And all you do is you make a list before you go to the grocery store of what you need for this meal. And then you go to the grocery store, buy all the things, come home, and that's that's it. And essentially rinse and repeat for multiple nights during the week if that's if you're gonna plan for multiple nights. So that's kind of a strategy that that does work well for I would say most people, but yeah, trial yeah. and error. That's a that's a really good point. That it sounds so easy, but I know there's been so many times where I remember like I wake up in the morning. I look at look at my breakfast options and I'm like, oh, I remember driving by the grocery store that is two seconds from my house and making the conscious decision to not take 10 minutes and go in and get something and come back. And then there I am breakfastless when I could have just 
given a 5% better effort to eating. So I yeah. think that's a really good tip. And I think it's cool that you started with that. Like it doesn't have to be fancy. So Well, it's like if you go to Target and you're like, I need one thing. I need light bulbs. And you leave Target with a shirt with corgis on it and then uh, some twinkle lights and maybe a new bedspread because why not? So <laughs> no light bulbs, none light bulbs, none light bulbs. Yeah, those were out. So <laughs> nice. Well, I think I think we covered that one pretty good let for me, sure. Let me tell you what my my first. Yeah, I'm curious. Favorite way to simplify things. So this one is to pick a habit or a movement drill and incorporate that into your climbing warm up every time you go rock climbing. Okay, so. What would that what would that look and feel like and how long would that take? Yeah, I love that. Okay, so something that I always hear people say, they're always like, I need to work on my technique. And they're like, I'm working on my technique. And I'm like, like I'm a coach. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> what is <laughs> like, technique? I'm like, you're going climbing? You were going to climb anyway. There's better ways to go about this. So one thing that I always recommend, and I will kind of like go on to the whole movement drill thing. Okay, anyone, if you Google climbing movement drill, you will find a lot of them. And guess what? They're all probably going to be pretty useful. If you're someone that's like, oh yeah, my footwork's not good. Pick a drill that relates to your footwork. And a lot of people probably know what their weaknesses are based on like what we're just not super good at. When I ask most most athletes, I'll say something like, okay, do you feel like moving slow is easy for you or is moving fast and dynamically Mm -hmm. easy? Most people will be like, yep, that one's easy. That one's not. So like, just take a quick look at, you can take five minutes to be like, these things usually challenge me and then look up some movement drills. Also, I will put some, I will put a couple of my faves in the show notes from my own YouTube channel. Also Ooh. shout out producer Josh. <laughs> he helped me make all these videos that would look whoop, whoop. super dumb if I was left to do my own <laughs> devices. But yeah, so literally just pick like two things in your movement that you want to work on or pick like a skill, heel hooking or something like that oh, and then okay. work them into your warm up, and then you're always going to, Caitlin, you asked how long this should take. I would say if you're climbing warm up, like you are going to climb some easy climbs anyway to get warmed up for your session, take like 20 minutes, spend 10 minutes on each drill and then move on. And that's a really good 20 minutes where instead of just climbing whatever, you're going to be focused on improving a skill and it'll be... It'll some weird thing will happen. This always happens with people with their technique work, or I've seen it too, where like, oh, you've been working on how your hips move when you climb. And then all of a sudden on some harder rock climb, like some way you move will show up and you'll be like, I've never done that before. Or that's never felt so easy or natural before. And it's all this work that you've done over the course of many sessions in your movement drills that's going to show up on harder rock climbs, which is really cool. So that's my pitch. Be a little <laughs> bit smarter in your warm up. You're going to spend that time anyway. And you can get a lot more out of it. But secretly, Lauren's like, please do this. Please do it. I'm going to give you the drills. (laughs) Let's do it. So this is something that would be essentially built into the warm up, if you will. But it has like a nice skill based component because then you're building skills and getting Yeah, you're getting warmed up anyway. Imagine that. So imagine that. And you'll be way less bored because we all know it's like. Yep, I need to climb some easier stuff that's kind of boring to get to the hard part that will be kind of hard. Um, <laughs> but then you're going to like be the a little more amused, hard. <laughs> amused by it as you get warmed up too. So I think it's like a little bit more fun. Absolutely. I would agree. And from personal experience, having worked with you for over a year, Whoa. I definitely, I know, crazy. <laughs> I definitely think that the movement drills are what, 
really helped set apart my normal warmups. Like I think back to basic warmups and other sports and I'm like, this is so, but doing movement drills gets your head in the game. It helps you feel like, okay, this is also part of training. It's not just stretching or, you know, arbitrary stretching that somebody's like, make sure you do this. And it gives you at least some context for what you're even doing and why. <laughs> yes, exactly. And you'll, because you have like movement drills, did you actually do it instead of uh, showing up and being like, mm, my project and then going straight to that. And Oh yeah. And that's recipe for disaster. Yeah. Like not as bad as you might think, but also like get warmed up before you go climb the hardest thing you're going to climb. I think we all know that's a good idea. I won't harp on that, but yeah. Check you know. yourself before you wreck, wreck yourself. yourself. Yes. Wise words. <laughs> Wise words. Unknown. Author <laughs> unknown. <laughs> All right, Caitlin. <laughs> What's your number two? So my number two is putting snacks in your go-to places. And this might seem silly, but you got your car, you got your gym bag, you have your maybe your your outside gym bag. Yeah. Or, you know, your crag bag, if I want to put some real terms to it. And then maybe you have a locker at work. Maybe you have your office, your home office. But essentially, all the places that you know you're going to be routinely, put some snacks there. And this could be some really simple convenience items, bars, nuts, some dried fruit. I really like those shelf stable protein shakes because those are a good option Mm -hmm. but putting these snacks in your go-to places will give you the ability to grab and go when you need them if you're for some reason not able to go have a meal or you forgot your snacks you at least know that you have these options readily available because snacks are the way to maintain energy Make sure you're getting enough calories. Yeah. Ultimately feel your best for sure. Ooh, okay. This is a fun one. So Caitlin, how many athletes that you've worked with that you've like looked at? Because when Caitlin, Caitlin's also my nutritionist. She also like empowers me to actually, she just kind of watches me eat gluten when she like knows I shouldn't. She's like, it's fine. And I'm like, I empower you fine. to eat. <laughs> but it's fine. But anyways, back to my real point. I'm not talking about the time that I ate like a million donuts and I just like looked at Caitlin. I'm like, it shouldn't be like this, but I'm doing it. It's fine. <laughs> but Caitlin, how many athletes... When you like first look at there, because Caitlin has you do like a multi-day kind of just like food log so she can see what you're what you're up to with your food stuff. That's the point, right? But <laughs> how many athletes do you think you've like worked with where you look at their food intake and they're eating like enough food to sustain their activities? Honestly, it's getting better. I think people are definitely consuming more food than they were when I first started working in uh, nutrition or when I first started working as a nutritionist, people are definitely taking in more food. I think maybe that's just by proxy of, of people like me speaking more about eating more, but it's definitely a a common theme that people under eat consistently. And this might be on training days. This could be on rest days. It could be a big combination of all of the above, but I definitely think snacks are the the go-to strategy that I have when people aren't eating enough because snacks are just such an easy way to fill the gaps. Okay. So your favorites are like have a protein bar or like protein shakes nearby. 
dried fruits? Yeah. Anything else that you like keeping around? Mm. I mean, I, I try to keep around lots of quick things that I know I'll reach for. So if I know that I have a pack of gummies in my backpack, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to go snack on that yeah. because I'm very motivated. Whereas if I have a date bar, I'm like, please don't make me eat that self. Ugh, I will not they're go not reach. good. <laughs> Why is everyone like, let's make it sticky by putting dates in it? And I'm like, no, not tasty. I'd rather no. just eat dates. Honestly, they taste better than like shoving them in a bar with stuff. Yeah. I feel that way about the really eggy bars too. I just, uh, yeah, it, point is if you pick foods and snacks that you really like and you have those on hand you're more likely to be like oh yeah I have a snack rather than like well, I have a snack I should eat it but I don't want to yeah I think like my my crag bag this is my dream I do like an okay job it I think I think Caitlin will appreciate this but I have protein shake that is a like shelf stable one like Caitlin talked about and then I have a bunch of these gluten-free stroop waffles that are really good and then Caitlin's also Love turned this. me on to bringing like baby food with a mix of vegetables to the crag but I feel like if I have like those three things always in my crag bag I'll have decent snackage for cragging absolutely I mean that's like a snack crag bag where dreams are made I think <laughs> I friggin did it y'all baby food <laughs> if you don't do it already baby food applesauce pouches those are like little quick carb smoothies essentially and if you're on a camping trip especially and you don't have access to a lot of veggies or fruits or especially on those longer trips where you're like, well, you're not going to bring a whole head of broccoli and cook it. So yeah. if you have these baby food pouches, there you go. You get, you kind of get the best of all worlds, but yeah, don't get the ones that are just vegetables. Oh, unless yeah. you're a psychopath. <laughs> they don't taste good. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're not. Well, yeah. Lauren, I'm curious to hear what your next Ooh. simplification is okay number two is choose less exercises so this has been really fun so caitlin and i run a group coaching program shout out to our breakthrough athletes y'all are awesome but <laughs> it's been really cool because i've been i told them all at the end because part of like the program is you learn how to like understand training and then i always tell everyone you can write your own training plan for after this is over and then send it to me and i'll review it and what is so common with people that are writing their own training plans, and I also know this because I used to do this too, is that we all just choose way too much stuff. Like we choose too many exercises. So this is more of a, that number two is more of a commentary on like strength programming for rock climbers. But wowee, people are like, I need this and that. And if my bicep on my right side isn't getting trained enough it's gonna be bad and like we just overcomplicate it and pick too many exercises so usually and I do this too as a coach because I never want to overcomplicate things oh it's this quote by Coco Chanel that I always think of and she says every time you leave the house take off one accessory because you need to look simple and you I go, do that Coco. with training where I look <laughs> at like my last look at someone's training plan is I look at it and I go can I remove something? What else can we take out of here to make it simpler, especially with whatever we're doing? And I try to do that. And I think that's an important thing for if you're figuring a strength. So real quick, we will probably need to do a full episode, multiple episodes on this, but you want to pick 
a squatting exercise. So you want to cover your like base movement. So you want to pick a squatting exercise, a pushing exercise, a pulling exercise, and a hip hinging exercise. And if you're like, what is a hip hinge? That's like a deadlift. And if you're like, Lauren, what the heck is a deadlift? That's bending down at your waist and picking something up off the ground and then pushing your hips forward. That's a hip hinge. And you can look up like glute bridges and stuff. But if you pick one exercise from each of those things and just progress them, you'll be in great shape. So that's that. So Lauren... I imagine that with you mentioning this as a way to simplify, you've run into the issue of climbers overcomplicating their training. Is that kind of where this is coming from? Oh, the yes. inspiration, <laughs> if you will. My favorite thing, and I've had so many athletes where they tell me what they've been doing before, and I super applaud them for writing their own stuff and like creating their own plans. But it's my favorite thing when I look at someone's schedule and I'm like, oh my God, you're doing something six or seven days a week and there's all this stuff in it and like reduce what they're doing, give them more of their life back where they're not in the gym and then they get way better and spend less time doing things. That's my mm. favorite. I'm like, I love efficiency. If people don't know this, I have a, I have a chemical engineering degree. Um, so I love efficiency. How did I get here? That's a whole other episode. But I love it when things are more efficient. So that always... Makes me really excited. I love simple. Kiss yourself. That's the theme. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I have another theme that kind of goes on the same line of something that I talk about all the time with my clients and then also on Instagram too, because this drives me nuts because it's the easiest thing in the world, but it's so easy to forget too. You ready? Yeah. Eat a snack before your sessions dude dude <laughs> this is literally revolutionary advice any of my athletes listening to this listen good eat a snack listen Caitlin, well tell us more so eating a snack before your session this is like ideally the 30 minutes to an hour before because realistically I imagine a lot of you are going to the gym after work or sometimes before you know early morning but let's say you're going to work or you're going to the gym after work and that's around 6 p.m. Maybe your lunch break was at noon. I mean, if you're trying to go work out six hours after your last meal, you're going to be very underfueled to go into your session. So if you've had one of those gym sessions where you're like, God, I just have no power. I suck tonight. I don't feel good it's probably not you. It's probably the fact that you're underfueled and your body just needs some quick energy to go into that session. So I usually suggest something carb rich and I won't, won't go into the details of how much to eat, but essentially pick a carb rich snack that you feel good about, again, that you like and is accessible to you and that you would feel comfortable eating before your session. And this could even be like you show up at the gym. If you can slam a banana before then, sick. That's great. That's a good way to go in with lots of energy and just make sure you can improve your performance output, feel ultimately good, have the mental acuity. And also this will help bump up performance um, and recovery at the end. Yeah. The number of <laughs> the number of athletes that I get emails that are like, man, my sessions after work are so hard. I'm super tired and I don't want to do it. And then I'm always like, well, I'm not a nutritionist. But every time I hear people say this, I know that Caitlin would say, why don't you eat a snack? 
before and during. We probably we probably need to do a whole episode on like <laughs> nutrient timing and like why this is and all that. So you're not we like will. got it. This this episode is going to be titled Lauren and Caitlin talk about snacks for an hour and a half. But I think that's that's really good advice. Yeah, for all y'all that don't that go to train right after work, have a snack, and that definitely ties in. Have yeah. snacks. You don't have to and suffer fast. No, don't <laughs> don't let your and if you are making it all the way to the gym to like do a thing and have a good session, like don't let it be a shitty session because you couldn't like pack us yourself some you know <laughs> so cool don't make your session r-rated <laughs> yes <laughs> yes precisely okay i'll i'll give y'all my number three um so my number three tip for simplifying your training and your is do a similar structure every week so pick one two maybe three good climbing sessions or strength training sessions preferably more climbing and strength training we'll go into that in the later episode but pick a couple of sessions and then just do those every week and keep it simple same thing over and over so you're not deciding a new thing after the gym yeah I actually I really like that because in the past when I would try and go into the gym and be like, well, what am I doing this week? If I had just gone in after a long work day and done the same thing that I had done in previous weeks, maybe bump up the intensity a little bit, I would have saved myself a lot of headaches and frustration. Yeah. And also this tip, I also want to say this too. Like if you're listening to this podcast, I assume that you're like interested in climbing training and things you can do to get better. If you don't care to train, you do not have to train for rock climbing. You can show up to the gym and go climbing. That is totally fine. But if you do want to train, this tip is basically me tricking you into training because <laughs> all training is is doing the same things over and over again for a period of time and progressively making them harder as you go. That's it. So, I love it. I think that's I'm a great tip. You. <laughs> I'm tricking you. I'm sneaky. But I also want you to get better, so that's why I'm saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you don't want to train, you will still improve in your climbing, and that's that's what we're here yeah, for. and you can also just not, like, it's okay to not be training. You don't have to do that. That's a whole other episode. We'll get into that. But if you are looking for, like, how can I simplify, you know, I think a lot of athletes can benefit from two or three really good, simple sessions a week. Um, that's how most of my athletes train. That's how I personally train. And if you keep it simple and do the same session a couple times a week, it's going to be a lot better than trying to do four different sessions and like crossing your, making it all complicated. You don't have to. So and constantly having to look at your training plan in between, like, which is, is like, what is so this day about? annoying, I don't remember especially anything. when you don't have time. <laughs> so well, Lauren, I think we... How do you feel about a break? Quick break. Oh, yeah. Let's take let's take a break. All right. And now Caitlin and I will be collectively venting about the things in life that are excessively complex. Set to calming music. Taxes. Murphy beds. Rescheduling your doctor's appointment. Putting together IKEA furniture, general adulting, understanding how much to eat, hangboarding, spelling the word Q, espresso machines, skincare, contouring, how to hard boil eggs, moving, mortgages. 
finding that movie you want to watch without having to rent it off of Amazon Prime. Opening salsa jars. Keeping your plant babies alive. Which pieces of clothing can and cannot go into the dryer. And now back to the show. All right, Lauren, I am curious to hear what your next simplification is. Ooh, okay. My next one is don't try to improve everything all at once. Oh, what? That's crazy. I mean, it does sound kind of crazy, actually, because, like, I mean, I love the proliferation of climbing media. Obviously, it's awesome. It's why we're here. But also, the more information there is out there, the more likely you're going to be like, I think everything's wrong with me, and I need to improve literally everything. I have all of the problems, and that's, like, very overwhelming. And also, for most athletes, that's not true at all. So I always, like, part of my process when I write an athlete a training plan is I'll kind of, like, bullet max four things that I want to look for and usually I'll also tell them that in their training plan like hey these are the few things that we're trying to attack because if you your body only has the capacity to make like certain adaptations so if you try to do everything all at once you're just dumping all your energy into a thousand different buckets and like you're not going to adapt sufficiently to any of these things and also you're going to wear yourself out and get annoyed so pick a few things instead of a bunch of them so would this kind of be like I mean, I, I suppose this is a same thing, like a different topic we could expand on, but when you are training for multiple sports, but mm. say you want to run, you also want to train for climbing. Do you feel like those are in direct opposition to each other? In certain ways? Yes. But let me, I guess like within the scope of just climbing, I guess, let me give a couple examples of what I sort of mean by that. But yes, like if you are training for multiple sports, you'll want to pick like that would be a good time to pick like I'm going to put just to give an example, you might say like, okay, I need to put this thing on the back burner. So I am going to keep running, but in climbing, instead of saying I need to improve my finger strength and all of my pulling power. And I also need to get better at this technical aspect. And I also need to increase my endurance, but I also need to improve my power. Like that's especially, if you're a multi-sport athlete, that's especially a time where you're going to want to pick a couple attributes of your climbing training if you're also trying to train up something else. Um, But that also, same thing within your climbing, like think about what your goals are for the next three to six months and then model your training after that because you can't be training to be good at every all time you know if you're about to go on a trip to somewhere that's super steep like your slab climbing skills and like all of that doesn't have to be totally up to par and like similarly you know like all of your skills can't be fully tuned all the time that's just not realistic so pick a few things that are important for you to tackle for what you want to do and do that instead of trying to do all of this it won't work and then you'll mad Coach Lauren cares. I could I care a lot. I care a <laughs> shit ton. <laughs> don't be don't get all frustrated with yourself that you can't be good at everything all the time because no one is. That's crazy. Real talk for sure. Yep. Ooh, what's your number four, Caitlin? So my number four is stocking the essentials because mm. I think we forget that we have a fridge, a freezer, and a pantry usually Truth. that we can put a lot of these essentials into. So this could be your go-to snacks or say you have one of those 
mentally draining days where you're like, I just can't think about putting together a meal. You know, you could have a grab and go freezer meal that you really like. Maybe you have a couple meal components that you just throw into a, a pot and you cook. Uh, but I think stocking these essentials simplifies so much. For example, I'll stock a bunch of cans of beans. I'll stock some tomatoes. I'll stock uh, frozen vegetables, but just really trying to simplify the process of, oh shit, it's you know 7 p.m. I haven't started thinking about what I'm going to eat and I'm starving all of a sudden. What am I going to do? Yeah. Okay. What are some of your top go-tos that you can have? With Number one, very simple iterations of bro science diet, which is essentially chicken, broccoli, and rice. I was about to be like, is it chicken, broccoli, and rice? You know, you know it. <laughs> yep. You guessed it. Very simplified, but you can do so much with a meal like that where it's, you know, your classic carb, a veggie, and then a protein, and you can diversify spices and seasonings and sauces. So it gives you some, at least options there yeah and then other than that I do a lot of stews and soups because it, you can kind of have it be like a, a catch-all type of deal throw it all together and it's really yummy usually in theory <laughs> and then I'll do stir fries I'll do uh, if I have greens on hand I'll do a bunch of random salads um, sometimes I'll even do like casseroles or sheet pan dinners, but essentially keeping it really simple and not necessarily thinking about a full-blown recipe, but just stuff I can grab and go. What about you, Lauren? Do you have anything like that? I feel like my go-tos when we're tired are making carbonara is a big one because you Ooh. can have frozen bacon. You can put peas in it, so you're getting a vegetable, and then you just have to have pasta and, like, an egg and some cheese. So those are all things you can kind of keep around. Mm -hmm. and it's friggin' tasty. I mean, it's carbonara. Come on. And then we also do – okay, I just sound like all these, but that's fine. It's all and I then eat. we'll do, like – Another one I like is green mac and that. So I have a figure that out. So it tastes better. Yeah, we're not <laughs> anti-gluten here. I am a big fan of gluten. Yeah, Caitlin loves some gluten. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll do mac and cheese with peas. And then sometimes if it's if it's very desperate, I'll put... I don't love doing tuna mac, but I'll just put tuna in it so I can get some sufficient protein and then have packets hanging around. I love tuna mac. And we do that for camping meals a yeah, lot, that's a actually. Good one. And if I want to bouge it up, I will do essentially the same thing at home. And I'll put some broccoli the two minutes in before the timer goes off for the mac and cheese uh, to finish cooking. You put that in two minutes before. Throw in some smoked salmon. Oh, hell yeah. And instead of milk or alternative milks you can put in plain greek yogurt and there you go lots of protein and some creamy goodness also butter very critical element there important Kerrygold is the official butter of this podcast <laughs> we we have no affiliation with Kerrygold, but we will official mark unofficial. my friggin words i eat Kerrygold with a spoon because i don't eat enough calories <laughs> and i try to fix it it's bad all right well with that um let's see oh oh my goodness are we on number five am i on my number five we are on your number Did you five just mambo your number five no nope, i mamboed number four okay it's mambo number five caitlin but okay <laughs> <laughs> all right shit i'll do i'll do my number five the producer is booing us in our bad jokes. <laughs> shut up josh <laughs> 
<laughs> Screw you. All right. All right. And we're back. Back to number five. This is a serious podcast. Okay. All right. Number five. My number five is take the time you think you have to train and then plan to do even less of that. Something that I notice, and this is not every athlete, but so many athletes on their intake form, it's like kind of fun. Also, if you've done this, you will know they will write like every ounce of time they have available. And then they'll be like, I want to train six days a week. And then usually I'll throw them a bone and I'll maybe write them a plan that's like four days and obviously appropriately dosed for like their skill level and all that because I'm not a monster and I don't want to destroy people and injure them, obviously. But I'll usually do that in the back of my head. I'm like, I bet you're going to do three sessions a week and be tired and not have time to do the fourth. And then the five or six day a week, people are like, yeah, I can't get the fourth session in. And then I'm sitting there like three sessions was enough. That's fine. But yeah, like it happens so often. And I, I do this myself where I'm like, I think I'll have this many days to train this. And then stuff happens. So whatever time you think you have for training, assume you maybe have 75% of that just accommodate for Murphy's law. And then you'll probably hit a pretty good amount of training with that. That's a good point. The Murphy's Law Clause, for sure, is a <laughs> really real. important po- component of <laughs> training. Yeah. But I, that was one of the things you told me when I first started training with you is that because I was like, Warren, I can't possibly do my fourth workout this week. I just don't have time. I'm trying to juggle the rest of my life and go outside and get other things done. And you were like, okay, well, then don't do it. And I was Weird. like, what do you mean? <laughs> mean don't do it I I'm allowed to do that you're like well yeah this is just a you know this is an idea to get you to the goals that you have but you're still going to accomplish a lot by doing two three sessions a week and even if life happens and you can't get all of your sessions done or any of them it doesn't mean that you're all of a sudden excluded from the goal finish line yeah like I think something that people that are newer to training sort of lose sight of is that this is like a big long process like now that I've been doing this for a little bit longer I look at my like training in terms of three six months year in terms of things so yeah that one time you miss a session because whatever as long as you're consistent over the long haul that's what matters so don't beat yourself up over the little thing I would say that most people are maybe 75% compliant with what they wanted to do. And that usually works out pretty darn well. And also I'm kind of, obviously this is the average climber podcast. So if you're like a super elite athlete who has a training age of 15 plus years, it gets a little different for y'all. But for most people, like imperfection is how it's going. And you're probably still going to make progress. So don't take that energy into beating yourself up about missing a session. Just take it into recovering and getting the next session and doing well next time because stuff happens. Life happens. That's just the reality of it. So assume that life's going to happen and then plan your training commitments and what you want to do with your training accordingly. Also, I would argue that any type of coaching or coach in general, they will give you an ideal best case scenario plan. That's kind of what I add into my nutrition protocols too. It's like best case scenario you won't eat gluten containing donuts, but life happens scenario. Donuts look tasty and you want to have one. Yeah. Like we write your recommendations for you knowing that you're a pre it up because we're people that screw up too. So, or it's, there's no failure. You just 
it's just it is that way yep <laughs> it just be like that sometimes <laughs> profound <laughs> so profound lauren lauren wisdom well i'll move on to my uh Fifth and last one, if that sounds good to you. Holy shit. Almost at the end <laughs> of our first real episode with Katie. You've Caitlin. been hearing us squawk along. Fifth tip. Yes. <laughs> the fifth tip is actually, I'll kind of back up and preface this by saying that if you do not eat a vegetable every day, you will not combust and melt into goo. That is not how the body works. Usually. Are you saying that if you eat vegetables that you'll combust and turn into <laughs> goo? <laughs> Caitlin, I didn't know this. I've eaten a lot of vegetables. Maybe my grammar's off today. <laughs> I'm so annoying. Keep going with your tip. <laughs> so if this is to say, if you are trying to eat more vegetables every single day, but you're like, I don't know how to get it in. It's okay if you don't eat them every single day. Um, I actually have a, a good tip to eat more vegetables and that's to add it to your breakfast. It might sound kind of crazy, but for those of you who like to do eggs, egg scrambles, things that are maybe a bit more savory, you can add things like kimchi or sauerkraut or sauteed spinach, fresh spinach, kind of whatever floats your flavors to your your actual breakfast and that's that's my favorite way to get it in <laughs> that's what she said oh my god <laughs> excellent <Sorry>. i <laughs> i i used to when i first started working with caitlin i would text her pictures of pickles all the time also <laughs> that's what it lol i hate us okay but I, <laughs> but I would send her pictures of pickles because like i was trying to eat more vegetables at breakfast and i really like so i would just I a couple pieces with breakfast and that's a vegetable. But yeah, sauerkraut was my other thing. I don't know. I guess I was just doing a lot of preserved vegetables. Okay. For someone that wakes up early, goes right to work and doesn't really like make a nice breakfast in the morning. Like, are there some to go vegetable options that you like for fast breakfast or people that are anti-breakfast? Well, I, first of all, or anti-inconvenient long breakfast. True. Yeah. I was like, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. That's, you're the first person that's ever said it. that. I am, apparently. Yes. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, no, I'm not. Many, <laughs> any, good, any good nutritionist will tell you, eat breakfast. Uh, but I actually, I know a lot of people are skeptical of and don't love things like greens powders, but I actually really like them as a convenient strategy because if you're strapped for time, but eating vegetables is still something that's very important to you. If you can check that box early in the day and just say, yep, I had my green, green powder, green smoothie, you know, something like that. Um, because adding greens to smoothies too is of course a really easy way to have a breakfast. Smoothies in general are yeah, an excellent you way. You can hide a lot of spinach with a good amount of peanut butter. That's what I've learned. And also adding orange juice or mm. apple juice to a smoothie is a really good way to cut the bitterness if you use kale. Yeah. Ew. I'm never using kale. <laughs> I won't do it. Is kale? Okay. Actually, this... I have yes. a quick tip for you. Yeah. If you freeze your kale before you put it in, so don't put it in fresh, freeze it first. Okay. It actually blends better. 
that's good to know. Is there an advantage of, of spinach over kale? Because if I'm going to do it, it's probably spinach. I feel like spinach is more accessible for me to put in my smoothie. The advantage there is what you like that's consistent and yeah. is accessible. That's Sweet. kind of the key. If you're like, so-and-so said kale is the green superfood that I should be eating, nothing else, but it sits in your freezer for two years, mm. clearly that's not the green for you. Yep, that's a good point. There you have it. So yeah, simplify. Add things to breakfast and it's okay if you don't, but if you want to add them, there's a, a good window of opportunity to add to some different breakfast items there Ooh, i just had another idea because i'm literally looking can of salsa right now but mm, salsa can you add just to salsa count is that good enough yes salsa counts and is <laughs> salsa a is a vegetable salsa welcome counts. to the american that's not our <laughs> podcast name <laughs> <laughs> average people doing average things yes so adding salsa to your to your breakfast is a really good option too. Uh, I probably wouldn't go as far to say that ketchup is okay. Ketchup, a, a good category, not a vegetable. It, it technically is, but a lot of them are very sweet. It'd be essentially like if you were having barbecue sauce at breakfast. It kind of yeah, it's kind of like that one time that didn't the government say that like pizza counted as a vegetable, and that's why it was fine that kids like pizza at lunch. Yeah, there's there's a lot of. We got problems there. here. But pizza is an excellent food option. I will say that. That's that's another podcast episode. Yeah. Pizza Planet. Pizza. Pizza is also a good breakfast. Absolutely. Also, you do not have to eat breakfast foods at breakfast. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I could yell about breakfast all the time because being gluten free, everything everything good at breakfast is and I also used to be like intolerant to eggs and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I make pasta for breakfast and I just have pot like I just have spaghetti and meatballs for breakfast because breakfast food is annoying and I don't care and <laughs> judge me all you want. And breakfast mac and cheese is is also the official breakfast. The official breakfast of this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, and we're going to get sponsored by Annie's, too. And guess what I put in it? Kerrygold, the official butter of this podcast. Mm, so yep. Good stuff there. And yep. kimchi in in mac and cheese is delicious. Ooh, that's spicy. Ooh. So good. Ooh, is that fusion food? F no. <laughs> oh, boy. American-Asian fusion. I'm sorry to all the chefs that are disappointed in what I just, just said. Just face-palming. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think uh, the food rules about when to eat food and why need what to go. What foods are allowed. Yeah. Need to go. Okay, well, should we wrap up? I'll, summar I'll yep. summarize my five tips. You summarize yours. Yep. And then we'll leave these people alone. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, I'll go first. So my five top ways to simplify your training and climbing. Pick a drill to incorporate in your warm-up. Number two, choose less exercises. Number three, do the same structure every week. Number four, don't try to improve everything all at once. And number five, take the time you think you have and plan to do even less than that. All right, Caitlin, why don't you sum up yours? All right, number one tips for <laughs> nutrition simplification. Plan your meals. Number two, put snacks in your go-to places. Number three, eat a snack before your sessions. Number four, Stock those essentials in your fridge, pantry, and freezer. And number five, add veggies to breakfast. Sweet. That's 10 simple things you can do pretty dang soon. So, yeah. 
Kaylin, kiss, 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 bang, bang, all that. I think that's I think that's what we call a wrap here in show business that we're in now. Thanks all for listening. <laughs> yeah, and tune in for episode two, where we will dive into the basics that Lauren really wishes you would just know. Yeah, we will. See you soon. Hey, it's Lauren. Caitlin and I hope you enjoyed episode one, and we hope you got a lot of actionable tips you can take home with you today. Now I will be closing this out with a quick announcement and our production credits. The waitlist for Breakthrough is currently open. Breakthrough is a 12-week group program that combines the benefits of training and high-quality nutrition programming. You can learn more about Breakthrough and get yourself on the waitlist by tapping the link in our show notes. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my host, Caitlin. You can also find us on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for antics between episodes and updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find me on Instagram at Coaching and Caitlin on her Instagram over at Dirtbag Nutritionist. This show was produced by Josh Hafley with his trusty production assistant, Stubby the Corgi. We don't really know what Stubby does, but he sure is cute. Josh does a lot though. Of that, we can be sure. The music for this episode was created by the great Devin Dabney of the American Climbing Project. Make sure to check out his podcast if you haven't already. You'll laugh, you'll learn, and you will introspect. The Average Climber podcast is a part of the Plug Tone Audio Network. Head on over to PlugToneAudio.com or at PlugToneAudio on Instagram to learn more about the other great shows on the network. See you next time, and until then, keep it average.